0: Hello and welcome to the Double F Digestive, the only F1 and football podcast available. I'm pretty sure of that. We've got the rankings, roundups, and rants for you as usual. Let's see what Paul has up his sleeve for the three word game and whether something else is bothering Matt. We hope you enjoy the show. How are we doing, guys?
1: I'm well, thanks. Yep, yeah, just getting pretty chilly,
0: that's all. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can't complain myself. Pretty decent. How are
0: you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Still still recovering from uh, from a rough Sunday, but we'll get to that. Ugh. Let's start with the weekend's roundup of the football. Paul, what's happened in Italy? Pretty standard
2: procedure in Italy. Um, all the big guns kind of held on and, and extended their respective leads. Napoli continued their fine form with a 4-0 win. Also, it's lovely to see them rename their stadium in light of last week's tragic passing of Maradona. I thought that was um, a really, really nice touch and a sentiment that I'm sure you know, all of Naples will, will love and um, you know, continue to um, you know, use to remember him um, in the future. Um, Milan extended their lead at the top with the win, um, making that seven away wins in, in Serie A, um, which is you know, pretty spectacular to see their revival. Um, Inter were a little fortunate to win, but they, they continue to do so. Um, the scoreline was a little bit flattering in the end, 3-1, it was, a, it was a pretty close game, but, you know, I think they showed that they've got the battle for a real title chase. Um, and, you know, they've managed to keep the pressure on on Milan. Um, and, you know, that's that's been kind of surprising because, you know, you thought that it's going to be Juventus who are still really, really not convincing. Um, you know, they snuck a, a 2-1 win in the derby against Turin, but, um, Torino, sorry. Um, but, you know, I think that it, it wasn't, you know the the kind of game that they wanted to play. They they didn't play their their proper football, um, and you know Perros has really struggled to put a stamp on this team.
0: Mm. We'll see how that progresses going forward. Um, Matt, what about in Germany? What
1: about in Germany? Well, this week and in the Bundesliga, we had a three for all between Bayern and Leipzig. Um, some real defensive mishaps on both sides, but excellent attacking football. Um, unbeaten Leverkusen have now moved themselves into the title picture with a three nil win away at an increasingly hapless Schalke who still sit bottom. Stuttgart's Silas Wemond nituga scored a goal straight from the playground against Werder Bremen. Dortmund continued to frustrate with yet another underwhelming result as Lucien Favre's men could only draw with Eintracht Frankfurt. Wolfsburg also missed the chance to leapfrog Dortmund, staying in fifth with a two-all draw with strugglers Cologne, who did beat Dortmund last week in perhaps what may be the beginnings of a turnaround. Um, that li- that left Wolfsburg in fifth, one point behind Diborussen, and only five behind leaders Bayern Munich with 23. Leverkusen in second with 22. Leipzig with 21 points in third.
0: Thank you for that, Matt. I'll take us to La Liga in Spain. Um, Celta Vigo beat Bilbao two nil away from home to climb out of the relegation zone. A big win for them. Newly promoted Cardiff continue their impressive start with a 2-1 win over Barcelona, who just keep struggling to find any balance. Cádiz sit 5th and Barcelona sit ninth, albeit with two games in hand. Atleti keep on winning and sit comfortably top with two games in hand also over Sociedad, who dropped points at Alaves with a 0-0 draw. Real Madrid got an important 1-0 win over Sevilla and Granada versus Huesca was the game of the weekend uh, with a three-three draw, Granada scoring two late goals to snatch what would have been Westcad's first league win this season, keeping the promoted side firmly bottom. Exciting stuff across all leagues. We've got yeah in, in the Premier League as well. We've got a serious title race. I,
1: I do. I do reckon this could be maybe the best and most competitive season in the top five European leagues that we've seen collectively have in ages. I yeah, I mean, no, no one cares about France. We've we've made that quite clear. But...
0: <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I brushed the but,
1: but the league league is I, I think quite hotly contested this season. I think PSG have lost three times already, um, and they're struggling to walk over all their opposition like they did in previous years. I think Longs who have just come up. Um, I, I think they they could be joined fourth if they win their next game in hand. Um, it's quite it's quite sort of an
0: interesting one as well. It is. I, I'm sure that's down to. Um covid mm, that definitely. must be the factor here across all, all five leagues that have experienced it um it must impact the players in some way we, we talked about it last time matt you talked about it in a uh, slightly heated fashion must be said but you mentioned yeah. the, the amount of games and yeah it's, it is taking its toll but it is providing entertainment uh, i guess so on that note bpl time It's the three-word game paul
2: the three-word game yeah so here at the double F digestive we believe that
0: we can sum up each game from the weekend just using three words um let's do it so let's start things off with Burnley versus Everton a 1-1 draw was I've gone with out of ideas I think Everton really struggled to break down um, the Burnley
2: side that they probably should have beaten um they went down early and kind of you know once they got their goal they were poking prodding away but just couldn't find the winner. Um and I've actually been quite disappointed with Anjotti's side now for the the past month really.
0: Mm, they've they've uh dropped off a touch, haven't they? Um they started so well. I think Burnley did
1: defend quite well in that game though. Mm. Looking a bit a bit firmer, but back back to the, the bog standard
0: Sean Deutsch, that's true. After that five nil um heavy loss, a yeah. lot better. Onto that City but versus Fulham, two nil. Not
2: quite convinced. I was a bit surprised by this result, and I think probably all other fantasy Premier League managers in over the UK were as well. Um, you know, we City win 5-0 last week. We kind of thought that this was going to be the start of their kind of rage campaign, um, and Fulham were, were going to be the next victim. But um, they got out of the blocks pretty quickly. But, you know, they... I don't know. just Something just doesn't seem to be ticking with them, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it.
1: It could be. I, I feel like it might be something to do with Rodri. I don't know. hes He's, he's not really... He's not quite Fernandinho. City, there's still, there's definitely a a gap that needs filling in that team, definitely.
0: Yeah, amazing to say when they have that bench, but you're right, there's one last piece um, which perhaps is missing. Chelsea versus Leeds, 3-1. Giroud, the goat, what a week he's had.
2: Um, Incredible, incredible game in the Champions League midweek and he continued that fine fawn, you know, into the campaign and, you know, he he was got the goal that got them back into the game, and they went on to win. Um, I really think he should be an integral player in in Lampard's system. You know, he holds the ball up really well, and you know allows the kind of quicker wingers to, to play off him super well. Um, and I think that you know
0: Werner and Pulisic can only benefit from that. <laughs> I'm a bit bitter about this because the, the way Arsenal have been pumping crosses into the box of late, I really <laughs> I do miss the lad. Um, <laughs> i don't know why we're with you know chucking the ball in the box for Yang to head when he can't provide any aerial threat but anyway 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 um west brom versus crystal palace uh 5-1 win for for palace don't pick me
2: um that's a little joke referring to uh zahar's back and forth of the fan over twitter he was saying um Someone asked him whether they should pick him for fantasy, and he was like, "No, don't don't choose me. I'm going to be rubbish." Um, and he's gone on an absolute tear since then, and you know another another great weekend from him. Um, and you know he even got Benteke to score some goals. So clearly he is a, yeah. a magician.
0: Wow, I, I,
1: I watched that game, and I've got to say, Ever Ever a was incredible. To watch that game. He's he's got so much natural flair.
0: Mm, he's a very skillful player. Very skillful. Um, right, Sheffield United. Versus Leicester, a 2-1 win for the Foxes. Vardy's Christmas party.
2: I think they're going to be pretty happy with that. They really needed that win. He popped up with a late winner. Probably shouldn't have been as difficult as it was, but, you know, Sheffield United's never necessarily an easy game, although they're not playing the best football at the moment. Um, But, yeah, good result
0: for for Rodgers' men. Yeah, the
1: the Boyhood Wednesday fan, just doing what he does best. (laughs) Breaking hearts and breaking corner flags. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Brighton versus Southampton 2-1 win for the Saints. Not this again. Penalty drama, penalty drama, penalty
2: drama. Just so boring, so tired of it. Um and I don't know, something really has to be done about VAR. I'm sure we'll talk about that in in length in in future episodes, but it's just mm. yeah, it's it's really ruining ruining the game at the moment.
0: Yeah, but what about Southampton that keep on winning? They they're playing so well this year. They really they've got something working, haven't they?
2: Yeah. They've been the surprise so far, kind of out of the middle tier clubs. You know, their the coach has just got them playing really, really nice football. And they've been so solid defensively as well, I think has been the main thing. um, It's just provided a really strong foundation for them to build on.
0: Yeah, there's no need for Kevin De Bruyne in your fantasy football team when you can pick out Ward Prowse for a <laughs> 5.6 million. He's, he's pulling all the strings, isn't he? Does he deserve an England call-up? Does he does, does he deserve a place in that team? He had a couple of games in the Nations League, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he I think, he has
0: been called up before. He I did. just wonder whether he deserves to start. He's been start. playing well recently. Yeah,
1: well, England need a maybe England need a corner taker at their next big, the next big tournament. England
0: need a lot. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep an eye on on the Saints. Um, they are they're flying. Um, okay, Liverpool versus Wolves, four nil. Back in business.
2: Um, great to see the 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 Red Men go out and, and actually provide a, a really. Dominating performance from start to finish, you know, never really looked, um, you know, at, at, at threat of anything from Wolves other than one nice little chip from Pedence. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, the it's good to see the club back in form, um, you know, qualify the Champions League midweek. And I think that the Spirits are finally up over in Anfield. So it'll be nice to see how they, um, you know, continue forward in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also guess we haven't really spoken about fans coming back, but in the second half, of that Liverpool versus Wolves game, the Kop were back to form, sucking the ball into the net. Yeah, despite despite the limited numbers of fans, it's excellent to see them back in stadiums.
0: I, I was going to say that exactly, Matt. That I loved seeing Jurgen Klopp reacting at the end to the fans. It was sort of the, the energy he, he that obviously the fans give to him and he gives back. It's it's a great relationship.
1: Infectious.
0: Right, I've been dreading this one, but Spurs versus Arsenal 2-0 win. I'm going to let you take the floor here, but
2: I will say that my three words were is this bottom, but the floor is yours.
0: Yeah, well, that's a great question. Have have we hit rock bottom here? I No, there's still they're still bottom <laughs> I'm always hoping that we've hit rock bottom. I was I was hoping that against against Wolves, but it just seems to get worse and worse. I mean to
1: be fair Spurs, Spurs are the form team at the moment, one of the form teams in their own no, special I mean, way but
0: they, they 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 certainly are but the the classic cliche when it comes to derbies is form flies out the window and we just didn't approach it like a one-off game at all which we could have done. Um even if you know we controlled possession, we did all of this, you know, it means nothing because ultimately we created no clear-cut chances and you know Spurs they they wanted it Mourinho wanted us to to control possession and do all the things that we did and we were just a bit naive I think Arteta was a bit naive um it's really worrying two unbelievable goals oh yeah it has to be said ultimately you can't do anything about that son finish um but it's bleak. It's bleak currently as an Arsenal fan. I just hope that it isn't rock bottom. And um, I just wish the fan base would would not be so negative. I know it's pretty hard not to be, but I wish they wouldn't be so reactionary um, and get on Arteta's back already. I, I just, I really do think this process needs a lot of time because there is so much dead wood. There is so much rubbish in this squad and it just needs January in the summer and then we can then we can judge Arteta's process but it's going to be a rough season that's for sure um, by the looks of things anyway uh, I'm sure we'll talk Arsenal uh, more later the banter era continues <laughs> well speaking of banter eras I still enjoy watching Ole's uh, face on the touchline it's <laughs> absolutely clueless anyway West, West Ham versus Man U 3-1 uh, win, Man United. Eight lives left. So I feel
2: like each week I'm just going to keep ticking that number down. Um, Ollie's
1: lives, Ollie's lives refresh.
2: a <laughs> <I mean, laughs> new game every time. He, like I don't know how he does it, but yeah, comeback kings. I mean, fair enough. Um, good result. You know, they end up playing good football, um, and you know, managed to. It like... took
1: a while. It took a real while. We were torrid in that first half.
2: And finally, a goal from Pogba.
1: Oh.
0: Mm. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Is there is there a rumbling there?
1: <sighs> I, I I imagine everyone
0: here has seen Marina
1: Ryola's comments mm. that came out today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I think it's time for me to to really have a go at the uh, uh, Ball Hogba. <laughs> He is, he is the definition of a show pony. He's, he's been mislabeled as this midfield dominator. He's sort of, first of all, these comments, obviously, obviously time to cause maximum disruption. You know, it's on the eve of a crunch, big cup group match in Germany, away. The team were probably sitting down about to have their supper um, when the news broke out. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there. That would have been excellent. But, you know, Pogba's Pop always been miscast as this superstar at a club that initially didn't have the players to compliment him. And what he is, which is, he's he's effectively a luxury player. I, mm. every Everyone talks about, you know, how, how he needs to play in a three-man midfield. That's why it hasn't worked, because A, that's what he played in at Juventus, and B, because he's a complete defensive liability, um, mainly in that he just doesn't want to defend. He wants to impact the game higher up. Um, mm. But I I do think, I'll, I'll talk very quickly about this, what people fail to mention is that Juve played a defensive 3-5-2. It's the whole team shape. It wasn't three in the middle that mattered. It was... It was the, the fact that it was basically a five at the back with Pogba given free license to be almost the third most attacking player in a team behind the two strikers. And, and that midfield master's deficiencies because he is incredibly deficient in so many ways. And the club Paul Polper should stop being compared to the national team Paul Pogba because motivation comes easily when everyone just has to push for the same goal, i.e. a World Cup. And that goal can be accomplished yeah. within a month in one tournament. And that's it. You can you, you can then take your eye off the ball. At, at the club level, you need a different type of motivation. And he just doesn't have the tactical discipline or intelligence to play in a 4 or a 4 He 3 He just constantly just, he, he loses his marker. He'll get distracted. He'll leave the other midfielders to just get yeah. exposed and double teamed, basically. If he hasn't learned to do this stuff now, he never will. He, he's given away two stupid penalties this season. He doesn't yeah. react well after his mistakes. He doesn't learn from them. He's got limited vision and game anticipation. Honestly, like game, I, I, I say limited vision in the sense that, yes, he can play a mesmerizing pass once, but he doesn't see what passes are going to happen after that, the two or three passes that would happen a la, you know, your Kevin De Bruyne, your Thiago Alcantara. Oof, He's limited in that sense. He doesn't know what's going to happen next, in my opinion. Um, he used to use his physicality to muscle players off the ball. Now he just runs into people. He reminds me now of maybe it's because of COVID he's spoken about, how he had some sort of post-COVID issues similar to Paolo Dybala. He reminds me of, 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 of someone going through puberty where, wherein you sort of lose all your coordination. You don't know where your limbs are. <laughs> he, 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 he's just sort of languid, of going around the pitch, sort of laboured, he's slow, there's no urgency, he's lost his pace. And other teams just capitalise on that. And because, because of Ed Woodward's incompetence, he's now got another year left on his contract. He's going till 2022, so he can probably go for free we're risking him going for free again for a third time. Mm. It's sort of, we we should have gotten rid of him in the summer. We need to get rid of him now um, because he, he he holds all the power and he can just walk free again at the age of twenty nine. The irony being is that he thinks he has a pick of clubs when the only person at Real Madrid who wants him is Zidane and no one else at the club. Um, yeah, and I reckon if we'd told him we could have pushed for Sancho. It's a good thing that we bought Donny Van der Beek um, because we have there's some sort of instant replacement. But I I've, I've had enough of Paul Pogba. I've had enough of
0: him for about a year now i can more, tell honestly. matt you've uh holding that in a while too yeah um yeah. i i can, i definitely see where you're coming from um he i can imagine him being such a frustrating player
1: it, it it's just it's also just you know you have your agent your agent probably runs by this comment runs it by you before he makes mm. it. And then the, the, the fact that sort of, yeah, okay, go on, just do it on the, on, on the night before our big Champions League game. It's just so callous. I don't think he'll be playing for the club for a while um, on that ground, yeah. I, I, on those grounds. I don't know. Maybe he will. But I've, I've seen enough of him in the United shirt. He only scored that goal against West Ham because he was wearing black and white and thought he was playing for you there again.
0: <laughs> well, you've heard it here first. Matt has had enough. Good riddance.
1: It's all right. We'll, we'll sign him back again in four years' time for 100 million.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to
1: Matt's rant.
0: Great. Well, speaking of um, Juventus, uh, they're the only team in my rankings that have moved up. So let me just run through them quick. And the 10 are Barca, who have moved down, and Juventus overtaking them in ninth. Milan stay in eighth, Chelsea in seventh, Spurs in sixth, PSG fifth, Man City fourth, Atletico third, Liverpool second, and Bayern first. I was thinking potentially of moving Spurs above PSG, but you know what? Nah, I'm not having that. Um <laughs> not yet. Not when they're still drawing 3 3 in the Europa League. Mm. Yeah, the only move was Juventus there, who got a big win in the in the in the derby this This weekend and Barca obviously lost uh, rather embarrassingly. So that's the that's the change. We'll see. Uh, I mean, the big clash is Tuesday night in the uh, Champions League. Messi versus Ronaldo. We'll see whether they swap places again. Uh, Exciting. What do you guys think of that? I think it's probably going to be a really boring game. To be honest, (laughs) head to head, Um, both clubs are pretty bad right
2: now. So it'll. Yeah, I I guess able to carry their team on the day which is what we want to see so
0: we shall see let's move swiftly on to f1 what a race it was paul can you give us the roundup
2: of course of course yeah what a race it was um incredible result for for sergio perez with his first grand prix win i mean it's yeah really the stuff of fairy tales um he's Seems like he's been in Formula One an absolute age, um, and you know, seemingly is on his way out of Formula One. And you know, I don't think he thought even in his wildest dreams that a win could could ever be on the cards. Um, but you know, it was. But you know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on. I kind of want to look at qualifying first. Um, it was a pretty you know interesting qualifying session, especially with the news, of course, that Lewis Hamilton would not be driving for Mercedes this weekend as a result of his. Um, his positive COVID test. Um, so that saw George Russell slip into the Mercedes car and Jack Aitken get the call up to drive for Williams. Um, and, you know, of course, everyone's first kind of reaction was how quick is, is Russell going to be? You know, he hasn't had a lot of time to, to you know, familiarise himself with the car and, you know, the team. Um, and and I think luckily for him, this Saki circuit wasn't as... Technical to a degree, as, as as some other tracks were, you know, it's very very short lap. Um, so I think that you know he was able to match Bottas, you know, pretty early on 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 real pace, and I think we saw that in qualifying um, with him just just being, I think it was you know two one thousandths off of Bottas's time, um, and then you had Max Verstappen just behind them, showing great pace in the Red Bull, and you know a fantastic lap from Charles Leclerc and and qualifying in P four. I think the kind of other big stories from qualifying to come out was Albon in P12. Although I think it was a, a poor lap from him, I slightly would side uh, to blame Red Bull because I think that they, they put him out quite late for his second run in Q2. I'm not really sure why they didn't go out earlier. I think it was going to be quite clear that he wasn't going to be safe. I mean, even Verstappen had to do a, a second lap. Um, and of course, you know, Vettel in, in P13 with, with Leclerc in P4. Um, and Lando Norris also qualifying in 15th. I think McLaren would have been quite disappointed yeah. with that. So how did you guys find watching qualifying on the circuit?
1: I preferred the circuit to, to last
2: week's one.
0: No, I I, I like the pace of it. I, I thought it brought about quite a bit of uh, uh, action and carnage. Yeah, I mean, absolute mess. I guess I'll
2: start my race review now. So... I think a pretty pretty good start actually from from Verstappen, who was going to be the main threat to to both Mercedes cars. I think, you know, if we looked at the race runs from practice, Red Bull seemed to have you know pretty strong race pace, and Verstappen was on the ultimate strategy, starting on the soft tires compared to both Mercedes cars on on the mediums. So he got off the line really well, and Bottas got a really really poor start, which meant that he kind of squeezed um, Verstappen out, and he really tried to avoid trouble. Um, Going into turn one, which he he did manage to, but that kind of meant that that gave um, license for Leclerc and, and Perez to, to kind of power through, and yeah, he, we all saw the incident um, that, that occurred yeah. through through the first lap. Um, I think it was really really silly from Charles. I think you know I I would like to think it was an accident, of course, and obviously I'm not not insinuating that he you know wanted to to cause that kind of that kind yeah. of crash, but um. He did the same kind of move last week, and Vettel was on the radio, very vocal about it, saying, "You know, that very easily could have resulted in a, in a big accident because you know the, the space wasn't there, and he's gone for it." And I can think of you know a few other times where he's done that this season, um, and I think that he definitely is going to have to be more cautious going forward yeah. in his career. It's something that we saw very early with Verstappen, and he's you know managed to kind of clean that up more or less. Yeah.
0: Is he perhaps too aggressive? He, he probably is maybe um but that's also kind of why i am a big fan of his you like to see that aggression but you're right he's got to just you know hold it back a bit like Verstappen has started to do and and what about bottas who had a poor start what's going wrong what like what's up with him i, I can't i can't pin him down
1: yeah he had nothing to nothing really to challenge him going into this race they ran
2: on paper at least. I think he was in his own head. I mean, I think he was he was always going to be his biggest enemy this weekend because the pressure was all on him, you know. Yeah. When he drives with Hamilton, he's hes the number two guy. And, of course, Hamilton not being there this weekend, he's been pushed into that team leader role. And everyone knows and thinks Russell's a fantastic and capable young driver, but I don't think anyone really expected Russell to, to beat Bottas this weekend. And... I think that the fear of losing was, was greater than his desire. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he, he was, he was just too cautious. Um, and yeah, we saw, we saw Russell get past him, um, early on and, and you know, he, he was mad. I I thought Russell would struggle in race pace because, you know, obviously driving a car over one lap and qualifying is very different to maintaining that for, it was an 87 Mm. lap race. Um, and you know Russell I think managed that incredibly and I was absolutely Mm -hmm. heartbroken for him um, with what unfolded and you know looking at what happened there especially with with Russell on those fresh tires cutting through the pack I just don't think that Bottas would have been able to produce that that drive like to me what Russell did there was Hamilton-esque you know we kind of saw that that rage in, in adversity and him just, you know, taking it all on the chin and, and coming back. And when that kind of thing happens to Bottas, he lets that impact him and he kind of falls back into this, I don't know, spoiled. mode of hypocrisy. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. What, what do we think about, what do we think about on the topic of Russell and Bottas about Mercedes, more importantly, in the car, R- the, the times that Russell is getting, the the speed that he was driving at, does this, does this change your opinion on Lewis's season at all? What do you think,
2: Paul? It, it's, it's really difficult to say, of course. I mean, it's very clear that that car is the quickest on the grid. Um, and I mean, what I think is really scary is the fact that they haven't, you know, added any updates to their car now for like two months. You know, like it, it looks every weekend like Red Bull are getting closer and I guess maybe Racing Point are even getting closer to a degree. But, you know, Red Bull and Racing Point are very much still developing their cars, this season and mercedes are looking ahead to next year they've stopped developing this car completely so they're still driving the the car that they pretty much brought you know to austria um and they're still this far ahead that car was that good um so obviously the car is you know the, the number one on the track but you still as a driver need to be able to pull everything out from the car and i think russell showed that in coming in has, as he did that, the, the floor for the car is, you know, I think minimum like a P3, P4. Um, but it's, I think Russell's a fantastic driver also. So it's, it's not taking anything away from him, but I just think that, you know, minimum any driver in that car should be, should be, you know, putting that in the, in the P1, P2 range, but, you know, managing and winning a race isn't easy. There's so many things that can happen to you and, um, I think this weekend showed that. You know, I, I just kind of get the feeling that if Hamilton was was driving, you know, he kind of maybe would have said, I don't fancy coming in under the safety car or he doesn't pick up the debris and, and get a puncture. Like, there's just little nuances. Didn't Russell initially him. say that he didn't
1: want to come in as well on team radio, but I guess Hamilton would have been pushier and would have had more,
2: more authority to just overrule and say, no, I'm not coming in. I want to stay out on these tyres. I don't, I don't agree with the decision. Um, and, you know, I guess in, in that way, you're looking at driver and saying right you know that's the the real quantifiable difference
0: mm. i i still think that george was so impressive this weekend and and it's something that he'll learn from um i'm uh, you know hamilton learned it uh, he 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 talks about he talked about losing a championship in the pits so he learned from it i'm sure russell will learn from it because he was so impressive and it was unlike mercedes to slip up so it, it is a bit of hard luck um but i think george russell should really like keep his head up on the other hand i think bottas although he was unlucky with those hard tires that were so old and he just couldn't get anything out of them i still think he should look at himself and think i'm just approaching this wrong like i I don't know I, i think he should be very wary about russell um and the fact that he could come in um i don't know how it works um whether he can be dropped or not. I know that he's got the seat for next year, but I don't know, I wouldn't be sitting comfortably if I were Bottas um to be honest. Anyway, let's get on to the race win. Perez, well, let's talk about him. Was it a bit of luck with the situations or was it just a superb drive? I mean, it has to be said he he, he fell to to last place, 18th um after that incident. What do we think? Bit of both. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you go, Matt.
1: Yeah, just a bit, a bit of both. He, he did an excellent come back from last, um, but also an incredible amount of luck with what happened with both of those Mercedes and um, also surviving surviving that big incident as well, unscathed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, not picking up more damage. Definitely, I, I agree there. But I think just in terms of strategy, he was quite lucky because he managed to get on the medium tyre early. As a result of as a result of pitting and obviously managed to join the back of the pack from from the safety car. But one thing that was quite interesting with the second safety car that came in was that Ricardo and Signs, who probably had, had driven quite good races up to that point, um, didn't think the hard tire was was that good, or their teams didn't think the hard tire was that good. And if they'd taken the hard tire, then I think that that would have changed the complexion of the race completely mm. because then Perez joins a massive DRS train, and I think that it becomes really difficult for him to get his overtakes done um, and you know I think that the top three of yeah obviously they, they drove really well to, to keep their tires but I think that they were more um, more fortunate um, than maybe we'd, we'd want to admit but of course you know still a fantastic drive from Paris I think in the first stint he made some some great moves you know kept his head down it's really easy to kind of obviously just give up obviously in that in that kind of circumstance um, especially after just one lap So massively tip my hat off to
0: him. Absolutely. And um, Ocon and Stroll on the podium, I think it was the second time this year that we've had a podium with no previous race winners on. Uh, The other time was Monza, wasn't it? And that's great for Ocon and great for Stroll. But I wanted to ask you guys a question, which I, I noticed watching the interviews back of all the different drivers. Stroll did not mention Perez at all in his post, his post-race interview. And Ricardo didn't mention Ocon at all. In fact, he also put out a post on Instagram saying, um, sort of well done to George Russell and completely ignoring that his teammate, uh, got on the podium in second place. And I was wondering guys, if you're in the car, if, if you're, uh, driving against your rival, do you congratulate them on a, on a win? Or do you just completely ignore them like that how how would you go about it
2: I think it was pretty poor from from both to be honest I mean obviously you 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 always want yourself to, to be the guy out there winning but um at the end of the season I guess I mean they' are still fighting for and constructors really but you're fighting as a team so you should be happy as a whole mm. um i was I was actually quite disappointed with Ricardo he seemed quite bitter to be honest um about about the, the way the race went i think he thought that he um definitely could have got more out of it um had he been you know more fortunate with the with the way the safety cars fell and also um you know the way his his strategy ended up going um but i mean to be honest i'm not surprised i mean f1's a pretty cutthroat place and you know there's not a lot of scope for for, for friendly nature
0: yeah it is. I completely
1: agree. I, I mean, the, yeah, there's so, there's so many sort of circumstances that we don't know about, about sort of, you know, the driver relationships within the team. Um, but yes, yeah, agreed with Paul. Probably want to show a bit more class.
0: Yeah. Well, you'd be classy drivers then, I believe you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish off uh, with a little game looking onto next weekend, Abu Dhabi, um, called 90-50-10. Um, Paul, do you want to talk us through what the, you're the game master talk us through what what's in store
2: so this little game is is a fun one it's played quite a lot on on, on reddit actually uh and it's just an interesting way for us to look ahead to, to the you know future grand prix and you know provide some predictions um that might be a little bit outlandish but also a little bit fun
0: awesome well do you want to kick us off Uh, with your takes
2: i will so i think that there's a 90 percent chance that if hamilton is back that he this weekend will complete the hat trick so he'll lead every lap he'll he'll win the grand prix and also get a fastest lap i think if he comes back he'll want to show that you know he is he is king um and you know that this is very much still his domain and um you know just, just really Prove that you know he's he's the number one, um, and he'll want to end the season off in style, especially after missing the last race. For my fifty percent, I am going to say that two out of four of the Red Bulls and Ferraris will finish the race a half. Um, I am going to go with the DNS for Albon and Vettel this time, not not Verstappen and the Clerk. Um, mm-hmm. I am not sure if they'll tangle together, but I just I don't know. Maybe some mechanical failure, um, and then ten percent chance that someone. Crash is doing um, donuts at the end of at the head of the season parade, <laughs> uh, which which could be quite funny. I,
0: I hope that ten percent comes true. I'll finish us off with my 90-50-10. I think ninety uh, percent chance that album finishes behind Verstappen. Pretty pretty boring that, um, and i I think that's why it's in the in the ninety bracket. Fifty um, percent chance that Vettel complains about Rash overtaking, and most likely that's going to be Leclerc. Burke, yeah. I, I always hear Vettel going like come on <laughs> like and complaining about uh people being a bit too reckless. Uh so... it's prophetic
1: saying that Charles needs to work on a special awareness. Yeah. Three-point grid drop, probably all the proof you need.
0: There you go. Um and then 10% chance that Ocon's engineers show that they care about him. <laughs> I thought I felt so sorry for Ocon at the end of the race because he was celebrating like a madman and uh, his engineers and the Renault gang just, they looked like they didn't care at all. So um, I thought that's very harsh on on Ocon um, who was very emotional and I think there's not the greatest chance that they um, showed to him that they do care. So poor Ocon. And on that note, that caps off this episode of the double f digestive uh thank you all for tuning in and um we'll be with you next week matt thank you paul thank you thank, thank you. you oh in in unison that was beautiful <laughs> perfect
2: one two three